Welcome to A Great Big City News, Episode 30. Today, the Statue of Liberty Climber and the Central Park Explosion. If you're an individual listener who would like to support the podcast, visit agreatbigcity.com support and make a one-time or monthly contribution. Or if you're a local business or just someone with something to promote, visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to view rates and learn more about our single-episode community calendar ads and the multiple types of monthly ads available. Moving the 4th of July fireworks back to the Brooklyn Bridge for the first time since 2014 went off without any problems, although it did leave a few flames burning on the bridge after the fireworks were finished. It seemed to be the smoldering remains of fireworks casings or leftover chemicals and not the actual infrastructure of the bridge itself that was burning. Fireboats from the FDNY were already stationed underneath the bridge during the fireworks display, so they made quick work of the flames, holding back from using the full force of their water cannons so as not to damage the bridge. This was the 43rd annual Macy's Fireworks Display. I've been struggling with exactly where to include this in the podcast, but I did want to drop in a quick note and say that if you have subscribed to A Great Big City on Facebook, or if you follow our updates there, as of July 5th, A Great Big City has stopped posting updates to Facebook. After revelations published by The Verge and an interview on CNN with former contractors who were subject to some of the vile material that Facebook was attempting to moderate from their site. While unwanted material is something that any social media site will likely encounter, Facebook was not removing this content and was instead allowing images and video of the abuse of animals to remain in private groups and content moderators were instructed that this content did not meet the requirements for being removed. In response, a great big city will not publish on Facebook at any time in the future. If you'd like to continue following the updates from the site, visit a great big city on Twitter at a great big city. Sign up for our mobile push alerts by clicking the red bell at agreatbigcity.com slash alerts and subscribe to the podcast. To read more about this decision and to read the interviews that made this decision necessary, visit agreatbigcity.com slash blog where I've posted full details. One year ago on July 4th, 2018, a woman climbs the Statue of Liberty pedestal causing Liberty Island to be evacuated and canceling many midday 4th of July tours. She had taken part in an earlier protest at the base of the statue that involved members of Rise and Resist New York unfurling an Abolish Ice banner and wearing Abolish Ice shirts while standing below the statue. But at 3.33 p.m., Therese Patricia Okumu began to climb the base of the monument, eventually reaching the copper base of the statue under Lady Liberty's right foot. She remained there for three hours until NYPD emergency service officers could remove her safely. Rise and Resist claimed they had no knowledge that Teresa Okumu planned to climb the statue that day, although she was one of the 40 people who had come to the island for the protest. She was found guilty of misdemeanor trespassing and disorderly conduct in December 2018 and sentenced to 200 hours of community service and five years probation in March 2019 each time appearing in court wearing clothing customized with phrases targeted at the Trump administration's treatment of asylum seekers and a headband with, quote, I care written on it, referencing Melania Trump wearing a jacket with I really don't care written on the back while visiting children being detained at the southern border. 
Okumu herself had immigrated to the United States from the Democratic Republic of Congo and became a U.S. citizen in 2016. When asked why she made the climb, Okumu responded with the clever quip that former First Lady Michelle Obama had said when they go low, we go high, so Okumu went as high as she could. It wouldn't be her last stunt in protest of immigration policy. In February 2019, she scaled a building in Texas belonging to Southwest Key to draw attention to its involvement in housing children separated from their families at the border and spent eight hours atop the building before climbing down voluntarily. It's been three years now since a tourist stepped on an explosive device in Central Park, and police have no new leads into where the device came from or its intention. Just before 11 a.m. on July 3, 2016, 18-year-old Connor Golden stepped on what appeared to be a discarded plastic bag, but a form of explosive inside detonated, leaving Connor with serious injuries to his left leg such that it had to be amputated. The blast took place among exposed rocks in a popular area at the southeast corner of Central Park at 60th Street. The location suggests that not only may someone have seen the culprit placing the bag, but also, regardless of the bomber's intention, the explosion ended up randomly targeting anyone who stumbled across the bag in that location. Investigators soon identified the explosive used was called TATP, commonly used in terror attacks and capable of being produced using household chemicals. The bomb was not considered to be terror-related since it did not contain shrapnel or a detonation device and appeared more like an experiment that had been discarded. The most unique clue was the shredded remains of a bakery bag from La Unica Bakery in New Jersey. Upon further investigation, the current owner of the bakery stated that the bag design found at the explosion had not been used since 2010 six years before the explosion. The police and the NYPD hope that this detail will prompt someone's memory to identify a suspect who may also have an interest in chemistry or explosives and may have lived nearby the southeast corner of Central Park in 2016, since the explosive is volatile and difficult to safely transport once manufactured. If you have any information or photos from that day, contact NYPD Crime Stoppers at 1-800-577-TIPS or via text message at CRIMES 274-637, or via an online form available in the link on our website. In 2017, the NYPD and the ATF increased the reward for potential leads in this case to $40,000. 33 years ago, on July 7, 1986, a man with a sword attacked Staten Island Ferry passengers, killing two and injuring nine. Juan Gonzalez, a 43-year-old homeless man who had been living in a men's shelter in Washington Heights since June 19th, had been released from psychiatric observation just two days earlier and boarded the ferry with a two-foot-long sword concealed in newspapers. Around 8.30 a.m., as the ferry passed the Statue of Liberty headed towards Staten Island, Gonzalez began yelling in Spanish and attacking people on the ship. Edward Del Pino, a security guard and a former police officer who was licensed to carry a gun, fought his way through the swarm of people running from the attack, and fired a warning shot and held the man at gunpoint until the ship reached shore. At that time, the ships did not carry security guards, and police only patrolled the ferry terminals. The ship's crew radioed that an attack was taking place, and they continued towards Staten Island, meeting police and medical personnel at 8.55 a.m. Once Gonzalez was taken into custody, 
He claimed that God had told him to carry out the attacks. His previous behavior at the homeless shelter and claims that Jesus told him to kill led to his hospitalization at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center prior to the attack, but he was released after promising to seek psychiatric help at Harlem Hospital. He was charged with two counts of second-degree murder, 12 counts of first-degree assault, and one count of criminal possession of a weapon, but was found not guilty by reason of insanity and was sent to a mental hospital. He was released 14 years later after the attack in May 2000, under the orders that he remain on medicine to control his schizophrenia, and he was prohibited from visiting Staten Island or riding the ferry. Rose Camerata of Manhattan and Jordan Walker of Staten Island were killed in the attack that was the first incident of violence aboard the ferries in 25 years. Two survivors of the attack, Richard and Connie Nichols of McPherson, Kansas, presented Edward Del Pino with a gift of $1,000 in gratitude for his actions that day. Eight years ago on July 7, 2011, we were tracking the first seasonal case of mosquitoes infected with the West Nile virus being detected in the region. 2011 would go on to be a relatively normal year for West Nile infections in New York, Both 2010 and 2012 saw relatively high numbers of infections, although infection is still far more common in Colorado, California, and the Midwest. According to data collected by the CDC, July begins the active season for West Nile infections, which are spread via mosquito bites, so now is the time to be prepared and protect yourself from mosquitoes if you will be outside. Wear clothing that covers your skin. Use a mosquito repellent containing deep, picaridin, or oil of lemon eucalyptus, and seal around your window air conditioners so that mosquitoes won't have an easy entrance into your bedroom. If you'll be traveling overseas, take special precaution to avoid mosquito bites and consider a vaccination against diseases that are common in the areas where you'll be traveling. If you're staying in the city, you can even do your part by calling 311 with a report of standing water defined as a place on public or private property where water gathers and remains for more than five days, creating a habitat where more mosquitoes may breed. The high temperatures this week will only be into the 80s, but no matter how warm it gets, you likely won't be thinking twice about a shortage of ice. But city residents were dealing with melting temperatures in 1911. 108 years ago, on July 9, 1911, the New York Times described how the streak of hot weather, with temperatures reaching 100 degrees during the beginning of July 1911, made it difficult to transport ice from insulated storage warehouses to the, quote, Greeks and Italians who have little ice depots in convenient basements, unquote. The basement ice depots were more convenient for neighborhood residents than waiting for ice delivery wagons, and this shortage of ice drove many of the smaller basement resellers out of business and left neighborhoods without an ice supply. When the ice wagons did appear, they were mobbed by crowds begging to buy some of the ice, but the delivery workers said that there was no extra to be had, with their supply dwindling as it melted away. They did, however, offer some helpful advice. Keep your ice wrapped in newspapers while it's in the ice box, and it will last twice as long. A special honor goes out this week in recognition of Alelia Murphy, who will celebrate her 114th birthday on July 6th in Harlem. She's believed to be the oldest living American. Ms. Murphy was born in North Carolina in 1905 and has lived in Harlem since the 1920s. 
great big city has been running a 24-hour news feed since 2010, but the AGBC News podcast is just getting started and we need your support. A great big city is built on a dedication to explaining what's happening and how it fits into the larger history of New York, which means thoroughly researching every topic and avoiding clickbait headlines to provide a straightforward, honest, and factual explanation of the news. Individuals can make a monthly or one-time contribution at agreatbigcity.com support. And local businesses can have a lasting impact by supporting local news while promoting their products or services directly to interested customers listening to this podcast. Visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to view rates and learn more. Park of the Day. The Big Park in Staten Island. Big Park was originally named Grand View Playground, but it was always called the Big Park by locals, so it was renamed during renovation in 2017. The park has a wide array of playground equipment and sports fields. Positioned at the southwest corner of the Mariner's Harbor NYCHA houses, Big Park adds a welcome recreation area to the neighborhood. In parks events, take a tour of the newly renovated Belvedere Castle in Central Park. For just $15, you can take a guided insider's look at the iconic castle and learn more about the castle and the park. You'll see the Sheep Meadow, Cherry Hill, the Lake, Bow Bridge, Bethesda Terrace, and more. Meet at the Dairy Visitor Center and Gift Shop in the middle of the park between 64th and 65th Street and check the New York City Parks website for weather cancellations. That's this Saturday, July 6th, starting at 10 a.m. And now let's see what our robot friend is fired up about this weekend on the concert calendar. This is the AGBC concert calendar for the upcoming week. Morning Silane, Mike Lawler Band, and Space Junk is Forever are playing FM Restaurant Bar and Lounge on Friday, July 5th. Dirty Bass is playing Shimonsky in Williamsburg on Saturday, July 6th at 9pm and Berlin with I the Mighty are playing Irving Plaza on Sunday, July 7th at 7pm. Los Campesinos and Nervous Stater are playing Brooklyn Bowl on Tuesday, July 9th. Surfaces are playing Mercury Lounge in Lower East Side on Tuesday, July 9th at 6pm. Earth. Wind and Fire are playing Beacon Theatre in Upper West Side on Tuesday, July 9th and Wednesday, July 10th at 8pm. Star Williams and Susan Warner are playing City Winery on Wednesday, July 10th. Jason Mraz and Ripe are playing the Hulu Theatre at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday, July 10th at 8pm. Alana Davis is playing Rockwood Music Hall on Thursday, July 11th. Dilly Dallas and Emoji are playing the Paper Box on Thursday, July 11th. Billy Joel is playing Madison Square Garden on Thursday, July 11th at 8 p.m. Churches and Charlie Bliss are playing Radio City Music Hall in Midtown on Thursday, July 11th at 8 p.m. Operators is playing Bowery Ballroom in Lower East Side on Thursday, July 11th at 8 p.m. Soul Live is playing Brooklyn Bowl in Downtown Brooklyn on Thursday, July 11th at 8 p.m. The Psychic Delic Furs, Dear Boy, and James are playing the rooftop at Pier 17 on Friday, July 12th. 
and Kevin Johansson is playing the Mercury Lounge on Lower East Side on Friday, July 12th at 6 p.m. Thanks for listening. Find more fun things to do at agreatbigcity.com slash events. Here's something you may not have known about New York. Penn Station is the busiest rail station in North America, seeing over 500,000 passengers per day. The extreme highs and lows for this week in weather history, a record high of 106 degrees on July 9th, 1936. I bet Miss Murphy remembers that summer, and a record low of 53 degrees on July 5th, 1979. Light rain tomorrow through Thursday, high temperatures rising to 91 degrees on Saturday, and a chance of possible light rain on Sunday morning. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at A Great Big City, or email contact at A Great Big City with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. Subscribe to A Great Big City News wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, Pocket Casts, or listen to each episode on the podcast pages at agreatbigcity.com slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening, and visit our podcast site to see show notes and extra links for each episode. Thanks for being part of A Great Big City.